I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good evening. Welcome to another live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. I'm Brian Fulford. That's AD Drew. AD, it's good to see you, man. Are you are you ready for some football? Man, is it Sunday already, man? No, not yeah. Well, it seems, it, like, is, is it, it, it seems like just yesterday that we did did a show, and it's been a whole week, man. Hey, look, we're we're in the busy season for both of us. And so days go by, hours and minutes go by quickly. And before you know it, you go from Sunday to next Sunday. And man, talk about tough times. But uh, hey, no more, no more sleepless, uh, sleepless Saturday nights from here on out, Drew. For the next, mm, I don't know, 15, 16 weeks. And then don't forget, which, that game that you fall asleep on on Saturday night, you're going to get up Sunday morning and watch the replay. But make sure you watch, make sure you stop watching the replay when Doc has the Sunday extra credit edition of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Then you can go back and finish watching. Right, right. Uh, and, and for those late night owls, what you'll be able to do this year, uh, we're going to have some late night, Saturday late night reaction shows. So for those of you who you've been thinking about being a JBN member, but you haven't pushed a button yet, you're going to want to do that because you're going to want to tune in to our Saturday night and even Saturday afternoon reaction shows, subscriber only reaction shows so we'll get a chance to break down might be a slew of games might be a specific game no telling just yet but uh we we will be doing that and uh first game is coming up this saturday so our our first uh post game reaction show we'll talk about the uh meak swack challenge drew it's here it's finally time and you and I'll be somewhere live in Atlanta when we do this, uh, my, there, my brother. 
Yes, we will be live. We will be. We don't know the location, but we <laughs> but we do know we're gonna pull it off. We don't know the location. I thought we knew the location. Oh, we doing the location. We're doing the live, doing the post game. Oh, show oh, the live, the live post. Oh, I got what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, no, yeah. I yeah, yeah, no, we we don't know where we're doing the live post game show yet. Honestly, um, so no, good point, good point about that. Um. I forgot I got to change something on that banner. But anyway, um, thank everybody for jumping in early on. Uh, make sure you're following the Black College Sports Network, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at MyBCSN1. Um, make sure you're following our Facebook page, BCSN Sports Wrap. Sign up, uh, of course, YouTube.com, uh, JBN. My, oh, I got, I got the, I got the banner here. I'm, I'm not even gonna try to read it because it's just easier for me to put the banner up, and boom, there it is. YouTube.com/slash/myjbnonline/slash/join. Um, I just look, look, this how this how my day went yesterday, Drew. Uh oh, five hours working with my guys from the ONG Strike Zone, putting together our podcast for the 2023 FAMU football preview. I'm talking, it is a heavy, heavy podcast, but we talk about all hundred something players on the roster uh, and, and just go through positions, position groups, coaches, storylines, the schedule. So for my FAMU people out there, you're going to want to, you're going to want to get signed up and be the first to, to, to get a hold of this. So, um, is that yeah. going to be as part of the OG strike zone? Is that going to be on the join? Uh, it is part of the joint. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to put it on the join. We're going to release it probably Monday night, and then uh, people will have a chance through the course of this upcoming week who are members. You'll get a chance to watch it, and then uh, yeah, sometime next week we'll open it up to everybody. But you want to be the first to watch it. That's all I'm going to say. You, you're going to want to be the first to watch it. So that way, So that way you're the smartest person in the room in the chat rooms when you're talking to your people. And so that's, uh, that's what we doing. That's what we doing. So, Hey, uh, let's. Uh, what, one other, one other thing, Brian, let's sure. not forget to uh, support HBCU nightly in their quest to become members of the South by Southwest. Uh, Cause I know that ends tonight. If I remember that correctly, Brian. Yes, it is. There, there is the actual web link. And uh, during out, you know what? I got to make a point to retweet that. Uh, but if you go to that website right there, panelpicker.sxsw.com slash vote slash one three six two one five, and you can go vote. You can vote multiple times. So hopefully, you guys actually took some time to go vote through the course of this week. Uh, would love for that panel to actually get a chance to be. Uh, to happen, and I mean, uh, I mean, considering it's one of their kind, every everybody wants to be in these HBCU spaces these days. So I, I I'd be shocked if this panel didn't make it. So there's the there's the panel, so you can go vote. And at some at some point in time, we'll put that in the uh, in the chat. Yes, yeah, definitely, definitely will put it in a chat. So. All right, uh, let's say a quick hello to a few folks who are already tuned in, jumping in. Good to see Jeremiah Clark, first one in. 
You nervous? Just curious. Adrian Crook, good to see you jumping in. Mary 305, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, Coach Farasi, good to see you, man. Thanks, thanks for jumping in, Coach. First on Facebook, Ricky Burton, good to see you. Uh, Israel Carey, jumping in. You nervous? I'm just going to ask all my J-State people. That's all. Nervous or excited? Honest answers. Honest answers only. Uh, Good to see you, Tamara T. Mary305 jumps in. Did I already say hello? I did. Okay, she was shouting out to Mary T. Okay, sorry. (laughs) James Knox in the building. Virginia Union. James, what's Virginia Union season going to look like? Over, under, let me see. How many games did they do in the uh, Division II level? I think they won eight last year, eight or nine. Uh, Over or under eight and a half wins, James Knox. Virginia Union, eight and a half. I'm setting all the the best teams in Division I. We set it at eight and a half, so I'm going to set it at eight and a half for Virginia Union. Over or under eight and a half wins this year, James. Better yet. Are they getting to the CIAA championship game? Shawan is gone, so. Oh, wow. That's a low blow. That's a low blow. Willie nice. Bolden, good to see you. Good to see yes, you again. Yeah. Uh, and, and the truth shall set you free. Yeah, it should. Israel says, never scared, always excited. Okay, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Leonard, he, I think he, I agree with you. Leonard, I I think there has there has to be nerves. You you're lying if you're telling me you're not nervous. You're lying to yourself if you're telling me you're not nervous. But but okay, that's fine. Uh, Aggie Pride, good to see you, Jeff. Jeff checking in. EA in the house, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, Jeremiah Clark says excited. Oh man, here we go. Any South Carolina State folks in there? How are you feeling about your season? Excited, nervous. What's it looking like for South Carolina State, Drew? Uh, okay, so <laughs> the uh, Miak Swag Challenge. It's a what? What's the tip-off time? Seven thirty. Seven. Yeah, I thought it was seven thirty. So we don't be late. Look, I was just gonna say we better know. Five, five o'clock. <laughs> five, I'll be there at five. For us, it's five o'clock. And, and, and for, and for those who don't know, uh, the last, what, four years, I think or so, that I've been the official statistician for the BX Swag Challenge and the Celebration Bowl. So when you go look at the box score, that, that's my work. And last year, Brian had the opportunity to join my crew. So this would be his second go around doing, doing the games in Atlanta. I, I'm actually, and I'm doing offense this time, Drew. I'm not doing. Oh, they got you on offense. They got me on offense. So I've been practicing as okay. So all honesty, I'm watching the only channel that I could get the the preseason Bucks and Jaguars game was in Spanish television, right? So I'm (laughs) watching the game on the Spanish television network, not knowing a word that's being said, but it didn't matter because as I'm watching the game, you know, I'm calling plays, right? Number two. Throwing to his right, completion to so and so. So I'm I'm in I'm in preseason mode, Drew. I'm getting ready. So I'm I'm I was doing that. I, that was the best way to get ready. 
I got to do my finger exercises because I got to make sure that I'm, I'm able to type and everything real good. Yes, yes. As we do the continue on the roll call, ODB, Aggie, Pride, Carlos, good show yesterday. Make sure you guys go back and check out the uh, Carlos Brown show. It's on YouTube. It'll be up on the BCSN pod zone a little bit later, but you can still catch it on the uh, JBN uh, feed there. Uh, JG Rattler in the house. Good to see you. Um, well said. See, Israel, you better hold it down for J State. There's no yellow in those colors. Okay. I hear you. I don't know who you're talking to. Was that a, was that a shot at Grambling? Is that who that shot was at? I, I'm I, Tuskegee, maybe. I don't, I don't know who that shot was fired at. I'm just asking. He, he said it. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out who that shot was fired at. That's all, you know. Um, good to see you guys in the chat room. Encourage you guys to have fun. Keep it PG, please. Keep it PG. You know, keep it respectful within the within the lanes. No late hits or uh, anything uh, of that nature. Um, real quick, Drew. One of the first things I want to get to. Uh, want to make mention, and uh, obviously good news coming out of yesterday's preseason football game for young Isaiah Bolden of the New England Patriots, former Jackson State football product, had a scary injury in which he had to be carted off the field. Uh, I think that that occurred in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And as, as, uh, as a result of when that happened, I think I read somewhere about 10 minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they just called the game. They called the game. Uh, the Patriots were leading 21 to 17 when they did call it. Um, reading here from Stephen Gaither's uh, recap here on HBCU Game Day, uh, Bolden collided with a teammate on a short completion uh, to a Green Bay receiver and was injured on the play. 1038 was left in the fourth quarter. Bolden was immobilized by medical staff before being placed on a stretcher and transported from the field on a cart. New England released the following statement after his injury. It says Patriots cornerback Isaiah Bolden sustained an injury during the fourth quarter of tonight's game. He had feeling in all his extremities, but has been taken to a local hospital for further tests and observation. Um, of course, Bolden was a seventh-round draft pick, I believe the only HBCU drafted player if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, there was a tweet from Isaiah on Saturday night in which uh, he said, he, I appreciate the prayers, more excited to be back with the guys. So um, it remains to be seen what the rest of the preseason will look like for Isaiah Bolden, but Continue to keep him in your thoughts and prayers as hopefully that doesn't be that doesn't isn't a lasting injury, you know, because there are only so many preseason games, Drew, right? I mean, guys only get they only got one more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there's no four and five preseason games. It's it's three. And so for him, his preseason may be over. I'm purely speculating, you know, if if he's if he showed enough during camp, maybe he's put on the pup list, physically unable to play. And, I think uh, technically they have to until he is 
until he's medically clear, then they can make a decision on whether they're going to keep him or uh, release him. But I don't think you can be released at, at this point in time during the injury. Now, don't quote me on that. But I think that's usually the standard practice. Yeah. So, um, so we'll 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 keep uh, we'll we'll keep uh, bolding in our prayers and thoughts. Uh, any any other? Did you happen to? And I know you're super busy, so I don't know if you had a chance to um, see any highlights. Of course, I saw highlights from a couple of fam guys over the break or over the uh, yesterday NFL. Are you are you even watching any preseason football? Have you found time, or do you you kind of like? Oh. I- Preseason, I don't even know what day preseason come on, man. <laughs> because you because NFL, you know, you get your Sunday games, you get your your Thursday night game, and then you have your Monday night game. You know, preseason, they play that whenever, usually Friday night, Saturday nights. Well, what are most people doing on Friday nights, Brian? They had a high school at, game on a Friday. Hey, night. at this point, it's, it's high school, school football. football. Yeah. Right, exactly. So you know, if they play the Friday night preseason game, nobody nobody's paying attention to it, honestly. And then Saturday, you know, you've only got a couple more Saturdays in which you're going to be able to basically free Saturdays. Because starting this weekend for 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 some, Labor Day weekend for everyone, you're going to be busy on Saturdays if you're some type of football fan. Mm-hmm. So this is like that last. Saturday when there's no football anywhere yeah. as far as on the collegiate uh, level. So, and, you know, how, why get invested in your team when, A, you don't know who half these people are that are out there playing. If the starters are playing, they're playing three series and going to sit. So, yeah. you know, you know, who, you know, who cares? Some, there's some starting quarterbacks who have not even – hit the field yet like Aaron Rodgers and probably won't hit the field right Aaron Rodgers hasn't played in a played in a game in a Jets jersey yet and I I don't know you know I at some point you used to think there was a there was you 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 needed to you wanted to see your quarterback with live bullets flying around, but I don't, I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe it because of how long he's been. Maybe you just don't need to see that with Aaron Rodgers. Have you seen the Jets offensive line? Ooh, I've been watching Hard Knocks. Yes, yeah, he may not want to be out there. Put, extra snaps. Would you put? Would you put your franchise quarterback out behind that line anymore that you had to? Very good point. Very good point. That's something that's going to be worth watching this season for all the. For all the people who are excited about the Jets, yeah, that offensive line is uh, is something to be. Yeah. It's putrid right now. <laughs> it is. Uh, I did find this article on HBCUsports.com regarding James Houston, who had a pretty good night yesterday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Houston, of course, plays for the Detroit Lions, another former Jackson State linebacker. I, uh, Houston finished the game with six tackles, four solo, four tackles for loss that he led the team, a sack, and a quarterback hurry on Saturday. Uh, so, yeah, James Houston kind of picking up right where he left off at the end of the season last year. 
where uh, where he found his way onto the active roster and made a pretty nice uh, name for himself there at the end of the season. Um, anybody buy, look? There's a lot of people buying the Detroit Lions hype, Drew. I'm not one of them, but a lot of people are drinking the Kool Aid about the Detroit Lions. And maybe the Detroit Lions by default. Um, Jordan Love is unproven. Packers. Even though he's yeah, even though he's been there for five years, this is like yeah. this is his first season starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Bears are flawed. Oh yeah, yeah. Second year, Justin Fields still raw. So, so you've got the Bucks, Minnesota. The Bucks. Oh, got, Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah, you got Minnesota. Minnesota and Detroit, and who? Nobody wants nobody, to buy Minnesota. Nobody, nobody wants, wants to buy the Cousins Kool Aid. That's what the problem <laughs> exactly. is. I got you. Know, you. And, but you, nobody's buying the Kirk Cousins Kool Aid. But he 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 he's done. Actually, when you look back at his career, he's done nothing but when he's not going to get you over the top, but he's going to keep you competitive. And he's done that ever since his days in Washington. He has kept his teams competitive. Yep. But they're first round. They're a first round team. They're a wild team. So you you basically is flip a coin. Detroit, Minnesota. Detroit, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I want to I want to touch on something for a second. Um, it has to do more with college athletics and college football. Not in, hey, before, in, in before we go to that one. Can I drop one more story out there? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Allen University announced that their head coach, uh, Takara Tolan, has resigned from her position. Uh, she resigned Friday, and that resignation was effective immediately. I appreciate the time Coach Tolan served as our head women's basketball coach, commented Director of Athletics Jasha Cox. Efforts are underway to find her successor. Uh, Tolan served as a head coach. Head coach. Ooh, did I just say coach? You you did. You've been hanging around Tallahassee. You've been hanging around Tallahassee too long. <laughs> I heard you say it. Holy cow. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, served as the head coach for Allen for three seasons, uh, winning 26 games in her career and leading the Yellow Jackets to a 14-13 record last year, fourth place in the SIAC, and it was the most wins at Allen since 2019. Allen returns eight-letter winners from last year's squad, bringing in 10 more recruits for 2023. Assistant coach uh, Jaroski Davis will fill in until a full-time coach is hired. I just got one thing to say on this one, Brian. Mm-hmm. Jasha, you got my number. Look at you. <laughs> Look at you op- openly, openly, <laughs> openly politicking for a job. Look at you. I was going to say, you know, Jasher, I was going to say, did you, you, you brought that up. I, I have to ask you, have you heard anything? What, what can you tell us, Drew? But uh, I actually like haven't talked to him. I I haven't I haven't talked to him, you know. I I was out of uh, trying to respect, you know. When this happened Friday, and I saw it Friday, I didn't want to be like, "Hey, bro, what happened, man? What, what, what's going on, man?" You know, one you know, do it the right way, give him time to figure it out. And no, and knowing Jasher, he's got something in his hip pocket. I look, Kim. 
I don't look. We can speculate. I I think I, I well I don't look. It'd be irresponsible. And, and, and when I say let me tell you this, when I say he's got something in his hip pocket, not like he made this move to, you know, like he made this move and forced anybody out or anything like this. But I know Jasher. He's always got something. If if this happens, he's always got a, a trump card that he wants to, that he can call to help him out of the situation. So uh, that that's one thing I learned from working with him. Uh, the, the couple of years that I did work with him. Well, okay. So wrong answers only here. Uh Oh, what, what could, what could the reason be why the coach resigns on the eve right before school starts? I got one. And this may be why that being the right answer. <laughs> I'm listening. Fam, you are Fam, you assistant coach? Ooh. Hmm. Uh, I gotta do. I look. I have to. I have to do. I re- look. You again. Wrong answers only. Wrong answers only. So there you go. Let's just see. That's interesting. Okay. Man, you stumped me with that one. I wasn't really thinking like that. I was gonna go with something regarding a paycheck. Or some money, maybe not being right, or some scholarship money not being available. Uh, but man, okay, Drew, I'm gonna have to do my research on on coach there and kind of see what the connection might be uh, and, and see if there is a connection. You, you might have to. I'll let you know Wednesday what I find out on Wednesday's ONG Strike Zone. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to we'll try to do a little investigating and see if there's any ties. There. Hey. And and I and I was just playing when I said that, but wouldn't it be funny if that was what happened, bro, bro? Again, wrong answers only. Drew comes up with one <laughs> right on the first pitch. Uh, let me while we're talking about basketball coaches leaving, let me give you another one since you went there. How about Bonzi Uh-oh. Wells uh, exiting Lemoyne yes. Owen College to take a Power Five job? This came out Tuesday this past week. Uh, reading an article right here from hbcusports.com the bonji wells era has come to an end at lemoyne owen college after two seasons and a 34 and 22 record wells accepted a new role as assistant coach at georgia tech that that really is to say a new role and a pay raise at georgia tech it should have been in parentheses right new role and and pay and pay increase at us at georgia tech uh, quote, I am extremely grateful for Lemoyne Owen College and my athletics director, Will- William Anderson. He gave me such a great opportunity, says Wells. Uh, during the time at Lemoyne Owen, Wells went 23-16 and 16 in the SIC play. Coached two players who were selected to all-conference teams. Uh, former magician standout Jaquan Lawrence, uh, who played in the inaugural HBCU All-Star game and was the SIC Defensive Player of the Year under Wells. Uh, at Georgia Tech, Bonzi's going to join a former Trailblazers teammate, Damon Stoudemire, uh, who is now the head coach at Georgia Tech. So that, 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 that fits, right? That seems, that seems to be a, uh, a natural uh, fit. So uh, Wells-led magicians... Uh, the Wells-led Magicians finished last year with an 18-11 record, lost in the second round of the SIC tournament. 
So, uh, Bonzi Wells, I, I, you know what? I got to say, Drew, given what we have seen other coaches do and not do in their first head coaching job, congratulations to Bonzi Wells for yeah. two winning seasons and having a winning career. Now you're going on to Georgia Tech where, you know, if, if you got resources, co- you got resources and coaching in college, that just becomes more attractive. He becomes more attractive two or three years down the road um, for some college program. Uh, and, and, you, and he'll be able to say, I have head coaching experience. So that's uh, that's big. And, have, and someone who's actually been in both facilities, both the LeMoyne facility, and the Georgia Tech facility, and I'm not just talking about as a fan. I've been, you know, in the tunnels and everything else with those facilities. Oh, my God. Like, night and day, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say, man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> nah, I'm, not, I'm not even going to go there. Our imaginations probably went exactly where <laughs> you went. So we won't even say it on the air out of respect. For for Lemoyne uh, Owen and just yeah. our culture, but, we just, but I, I will t- I will tell you this though, as far as Georgia Tech is concerned, the fact that uh, Bozzy had those two years in Memphis with Lemoyne Owen, and if he can uh, bring some of those Memphis recruits to Atlanta, you know that paper prepare because Memphis is a hotbed for basketball. If if you don't know. You don't you don't understand. Memphis is a a hotbed for basketball in, in that part of uh, Tennessee. Probably the of all the cities in Tennessee, probably the best basketball players come out of the Memphis area within the state. So uh, if he can get some of those in his new home, it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Tech does at the ACC if the ACC exists. Yeah. All right. Um, and while we're talking about coaches leaving their school, uh, how about a uh, uh, an all a, a four star prospect and all everything linebacker leaving your university? And that's what Tennessee State is looking like here in the middle of fall camp. Uh, they lose their linebacker, Kayvon Pope, who left the football team. Um, the Blue Bloods, uh, Zach. Uh, initially, Zach McKinnell originally uh, reported this. Uh, Pope was a second-team all-conference player after having 62 tackles, four tackles for loss, four pass breakups last season. Um, Pope was a four-star prospect out of Dinwiddie County High School in Virginia. Uh, turned down a dozen FBS schools before settling on Ohio State. Uh, He did come from Ohio State to Tennessee State after being dismissed from the team uh, for uh, abruptly leaving a game. Yeah, not a a nice way. And, And somehow he found his way to former... Ohio State head coach Eddie George at Tennessee State, but now he's abruptly left again. So I, I don't know, 
what I haven't heard anything. I haven't seen anything as to the backstory on why uh, Pope left. But um, we wish him the best. And hopefully, you know, I don't know if it's the advice or maybe something else going on around him. Hopefully, hopefully he finds him himself uh, in a better spot because, hey, Nowadays, the NCAA is not looking kindly on you transferring to multiple schools. So, correct, and that's what I was going to wonder: uh, what kind of waiver did he have to get if he's going to be immediately eligible? Oh well, I doubt he'll be immediately eligible. I mean, if you leave on your own, I mean, well, I, let me stop. I don't know all the circumstances, but I know there are certain circumstances that follow or that come with leaving or being eligible, right? Instantly, right, eligible. and there was no coaching change. There was no coaching change or anything along those lines. So we throwing that one out the window. Yes, yeah. So it might be. Who knows? It could be something else. All right. So let's do this. Let's take a short break. Come back and let's kind of talk about a recent statement by the CEO of the Knight Commission. And interesting how this may affect FCS football. Um. Because I, I think everything is a trickle down. And so one of the things that we'll explore and talk about is what potential trickle down might come from all of the conference realignment, all of the posturing that's going on at the highest levels of college football. And what that might look like for FCS programs, HBCU programs as well. So Hang in there with us. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here on a Sunday night. And we'll be back in just a moment. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thins reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster. Absorbs even more so you can feel dry and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak free and odor free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvee Group is a Florida based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay.
for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden and Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden and Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Stride K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education to work for you. Dive into curriculum design for the online classroom. Team up with state certified teachers trained in virtual instruction. Take control of your child's education journey. Discover the power of personalized learning with a leader experienced in preparing kids for a future they can be excited about. Take charge. Stride K-12. Enroll now for the fall. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford, AD Drew here. Uh, on the eve of week, the week of week zero, next weekend, beginning Saturday, it's week zero. College football season begins. Uh, we have the MIAC SWAC Challenge taking place in Atlanta, Georgia. 7.30 p.m. Eastern is the kickoff. I can't confirm that, Drew. I can confirm. 7.30 p.m. on the three-letter network of ABC. So um, uh, that that's going to be in Atlanta at, uh, ooh, what was it, Pat? Ooh, the Georgia State Center, Stadium. Center Park Center Stadium. Park, Center Park Stadium. Center Park Stadium is where it'll be. I'm sure there are tickets that are maybe a few, not many, but there will be tickets, still probably a few tickets available. So I, I suggest you go to Ticketmaster and check that out. You, you were shaking your head. You're about to shake your head like tickets were sold out. I, I'm not 100% sure. I can uh, I'll shoot John Grant a text right yeah, quick see, while we, uh, while see, we do see that. Maybe, see maybe uh, if he – if he uh, if he can share any any numbers on what ticket availability is like. Also coming up a little bit later, uh, maybe out of the next rejoin, uh, our guy, our boss, uh, the boss, uh, the CEO of the BCSN and Jericho Broadcast Network, Roy Evans, was in Montgomery, Alabama yesterday for BuzzFest as the Alabama State Hornets had a uh, a big event for all of their athletic programs, almost kind of like a maybe a fan day kind of event. But uh, he's got some great interviews that he did with uh, AD Jason Cable, head football coach, Eddie Robinson Jr., head volleyball coach, Penny Lucas White. And so we will – I'll play some of those. They're like five- or six-minute clips coming in out of the next couple breaks – uh, and, and give you guys a chance to 
if you if you did not catch uh, those interviews or didn't catch BuzzFest, uh, we got some great clips there. Also, I put up in the in the chat. I put the link to the HBCU nightly panel picker for South by Southwest Conference, which is in Austin, Texas. You what 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 Drew? What you gotta look like uh, you're gonna say something. I'm looking at Will Davis like I don't care what we call it, he's still calling it Turner Field. <laughs> or or Olympic Stadium, maybe Olympic Stadium. Will yeah. my, my, can you call it Olympic Stadium? Uh nah, I, I think Olympic Stadium died a long time ago, man. Did it but what was first? Turner Field or a, Olympic no, Stadium? It was Olympic Stadium. Then yeah. okay, Turner Field now it's uh uh, Center Park, Park Stadium. All right. Yeah. No, it was it, it it was Turner Field, Georgia State Stadium, then Center Park Stadium. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Same gotcha. facility. Same facility. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one other one other thing before we get into the story. Uh, in case you guys missed it, uh, Savannah State, the Savannah State Tigers will be live stream here on the black college sports network we'll have a number of their football games here on the black college sports network this year so if you are a blue and orange or do they say orange and blue uh over there whatever order they put the colors in if you if you're a fan of them then you're going to definitely want to make sure that you like subscribe and follow the black college sports network and which gives us, we've got a lot of the SIAC. Oh, hey, Brian, you know, you know we're not done yet. I was going to say, tomorrow, tomorrow we'll, be announcing, we'll be announcing another we one, one tomorrow. we yes, got one yeah. more coming, which will I give us. Spoil it. Five. It'll give us five. Let me count. Pop, uh, and with, let's see. We've got, uh, let's, let's go down. We've got Benedict. Mm-hmm. Yes. Miles. Miles. Another M. Right. Savannah State. Savannah State. Yep. Right. And we're not going to say the other one because that's. Possibly two. Yes, I I heard about that. Yeah, possibly two. One definite, one and a possible, like we're playing spades. I got one and a possible. possible. We got one and a possible. And of course, uh, Payne College is, uh, uh, they don't have football, but Payne College is uh, an Uh, HBO member. We, We do stuff. We do uh, for pain college as well. So, yeah, SIC takeover, Brian. SIC takeover, which is going to give me great access when when the SIC Gridiron Show podcast starts up. And when's that show begin again? Monday, not 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 Uh, not not tomorrow night, but it will be on Monday Monday nights. Yes. Uh, uh, Okay. Before the first game or after the first game? We, we're gonna try to do a preview show. It depends. <laughs> you know, everybody's schedule has been kind of uh, kind of crazy as we've been trying to plan out this podcast and getting it going. But it's almost do or die time now with it. So it's time to go. It's time to roll. Yeah, busy days. Um, okay, let's get to this. I want to get to this article before we get back into some HBCU specific things uh, on Thursday. August 17th, a statement from Amy Privet Perko, the CEO of the Knight Commission on Intercollegiate Athletics, came out. Um, 
And for both for people who aren't familiar with the Knight Commission on Intercollegiate Athletics, how would you surmise the Knight Commission, Drew? You remember all that data that we nerded you the people out with earlier this summer when we started talking about uh athletic budgets and revenue and uh, uh you know all, all that stuff when we spent what paid probably two weeks when the uh, hbcu sports world really didn't have anything to talk about mm-hmm. these are the people who accumulate that data mm-hmm. that's the best way that i could put it uh, they are what university are they based out of I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now they're based out of one of those eastern uh, universities Ooh, um, I thought you might know, but I, 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 I knew, but <laughs> I know I, I'm just drawing a blank right now, Brian. It's... Well, I'll, I'll let you quickly research it. Syracuse. Syracuse. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. I, I had to, I had to look, just scan real quick. Okay. Let's go to this letter because, um, I think it's relevant, newsworthy, and, and many people may not have heard the statement or letter, and I don't think it's terribly long to read, Or, but, I, but I'm going to go ahead and go through. So bear with here, and, and feel free if any paragraphs here, if you want to say, stop, Drew, we, we definitely can talk as we go through this, okay? Uh, she begins by saying, college sports at most FBS-affiliated programs are driven today by one all-consuming pursuit. The money chase. Mm, powerful opening paragraph. That That's an oversimplification of it, but she's 100% correct. Yeah. The recent conference realignment decisions of six Pac-12 institutions, including two founding members of the 108-year-old conference, should be the final tipping point forcing university presidents to explain why the current structure is still in the best interest of all underlined ALL division one college athletes in all underlined ALL sports. These football driven realignments create substantial challenges for basketball and Olympic sport athletes who will spend much more time traveling and will miss many more classes with cross country conference competition than football players. Let me stop right there. I think it's real impactful that A, she calls out the Pac-12 institutions, uh, namely, we know who, right? UCLA, USC. uh, Who else? Who else from the Pac-12 left? Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State, and Colorado. And Colorado, right? Okay, so but but Colorado came from the big Big Twelve. Right. Colorado is is not the impact as far as the travel. Colorado travel for Colorado is the same whether they go east or west with their with their new conference. But the point is, two founding members of the one hundred eight year old conference. Now, I don't think it takes a rocket science to figure out who those two. Founding members are. That would, I, if be, I had, the, that would be the California schools. I, I would I would probably venture to say they're probably the California schools. 108 years. I mean, that's a long time. 108 years, and you're leaving. 
right? Uh, she continue on, continues on by saying, and, and also let me go back. I love the fact that she talks about its impact on all of Division One and all sports. Can I stop right there, Brian? Sure, please. Remember when we were in high school, Brian? Vaguely. <laughs> we're going to leave that alone on, on why you don't remember. <laughs> but uh, there was this conference called, not the SWAC, but the Southwestern Conference. SWC. That had seven Texas schools yes. in, Ar- in Arkansas. Arkansas, which is a border state, right? Right. And we thought the world was coming to an end. All the schools left. Southwestern Conference went to went to the history books. Mm-hmm. And athletics survived. So we can't necessarily say this is a new trend. Conferences have been aligning, reforming, folding, restarting since conferences have begun. You can go back over a hundred years and find different cases and histories of it for one reason or another on why these conferences have survived and thrived, why some conferences have been able to attract other members, and why why members have left certain conferences. So this is not a new phenomenon. Everybody no. needs, to, uh, needs to understand it. This is not a new phenomenon. You know, conferences originally used to only have six to eight members historically. But and, when those conferences, but when that Southwest. But obviously travel was up. a lot different, a lot different back in those days, which is the, the forming of the conference, like-minded institutions coming together for, for athletic competition. That's what a conference really is. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I interrupted you. My, my apologies. Um, the, but even then, the regional rivalries, right, is what made the Southwestern Conference so great, right? I mean, Texas. SMU Rice. Yeah. Well, yeah, but but still, those, those they all lifted each other up. Texas A&M was in there. Uh, Texas was in there, you know. Yeah, Texas was, yeah, for those who don't know, Texas was not a member of the then Big Eight. Right. You know, and, and so the Big Eight was separate from the Southwestern Conference, right? Correct. And they absorbed four of And the, they absorbed four. Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, and who was the fourth? Was it? I don't think it was Texas Tech originally. I can't remember who the fourth. But still, even then, Drew, even then, they left and they stayed relatively within the region, right? What, 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 what UCLA and USC and now uh, Oregon and Washington are doing is they are choosing to join with a. They are they are essentially becoming what what you have in the NFL which is you are now playing coast to coast, right? And it's not just one sport that is affected. And that's what the point she was making is you're, you're asking students now to 
and because again, if we're going to play the game, and, and I think she goes on further here, and I will get to it again. If we're going to play the charade of this is college athletics, and these students have to go to class, if we're going to play that charade, because it is a charade at that level, then what you just did is counter productive for those students unless again you're now gonna what create online virtual systems and you're gonna do other things to sort of open up the academic requirements or timelines for students okay all right again students traveling Aren't they, they still have another job to do, right? Because, again, the charade is go play football and at the same time maintain a 2.5 GPA. So, so you got so, two jobs now. So, and we talked about the travel piece of this, Brian. So help, help me break this down. What is the difference kind of between what the Big, big Ten is doing now? Than what the old Big East did, or will the Big Ten wind up being like the old Big East? Because you remember the old Big East at one point in time went from Miami, Florida, all the way up to Connecticut, and that's that's about as long of a flight along the East Coast as it is from Iowa to Los Angeles. Um, what? How long did that Big East conference last? I, I not that, decade. I don't I, maybe ten, two, maybe ten. Two two decades, maybe. 15 no, I know years. it was a twenty. I know it was a twenty. I know they didn't get okay. twenty. So ten, maybe fifteen years. Yes, and there's a reason why that didn't last. Right, <laughs> there's and, a reason and, why that didn't last. Yeah. And and here's the other thing, with the because of COVID. And a few other things and technology and the event of online classes, a lot more students are going to class online. You know, yeah, you have to be on campus for your labs if you have classes that have labs in them. But a lot of your core classes have gone online, your Englishes, your your basic baths, and things like that. So the time away from class is not as impactful now as it was when I was coaching uh, a decade ago, Brian. Because kids can log in because un unless it's softball or possibly baseball, when you've had a 10 o'clock class, you are not when, – when you're on the road, you're sitting in the hotel a lot of times. I would I, I don't disagree with you and I think I, I actually agree with you. No one ever talks about it though. No one ever and I don't know if there's any data to confirm what you and I and through what you just said believe to be true. Like how many students are taking online courses? Can you is your course because let me just say that's extra work for the professor. I mean, does the professor go into the class already knowing that he's doing look at speaking as a teacher who went through all of us teachers who went through COVID, who had to teach to not only students who were in class, but also virtual. 
that was tough. But that here's the tough. thing, Brian. Here's the thing. It depends on the type of online class that you're taking. There's a live virtual class where the camera's there and the professor's actually teaching. You, you, you're watching on your right. computer screen like the professor's teaching you, seeing her right on the chalkboard and everything else. And then you've got the other type of online classes where you just you you read the modules, you watch the videos, and your assignment is due by 11.59 on Saturday. And you work at your own pace. So there are two different kinds of online classes. And it all depends on it all depends on the major and the type of class it is. Again, you start when we talk about how we start talking about yeah. how people learn and how students learn. I, I think I, I, that never, is, I never got into how they learn. Oh man. The expectation okay. the expectation is you're a college student. You're supposed to be able to learn. Well, no, that Mm. No, uh, no, no, Brian. In 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 the simplest form, that's what the expectation is. Of course, the university's job is to provide you the support that you need to learn. But you are a college level student. There are some basic things that you should be able to do at this point in time. Now, the the reality of it, and I'll be I'll be honest with you, somebody who's taught uh, college classes somebody who's taught high school classes. The, the, the one thing that is, if, if my Charles walking bar is terrible, is the way, <laughs> is the way these, is the way these young folks write. Well, look, they, 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 they write like they text. Nope. No <laughs> punctuation. Uh, you know, it might have a capital letter. It might not have a capital letter. You know, <laughs> the rules of grammar the rules of grammar went away with the turn of millennium, it seems like. All right, let me finish this letter. Let me finish this statement. <laughs> Sorry. That's all I right. Let's finish the statement. Uh, th th that was just the first two paragraphs, folks, by the way. Okay, here we go. Next paragraph. The Knight Commission. Again, this is a statement from Amy Privet Perko, the CEO of the Knight Commission on Intercollegiate Athletics. Uh, she, she continues by saying the Knight Commission believes – our December 2020 proposal for an overhauled structure will be better for athletes in all sports and improve governance. Our proposal calls for the creation of a new governing structure solely for the sport of FBS football with the NCAA continuing to govern all other sports. Hmm, interesting. And, and there is a, a link to that, okay? Um, she continues, an important feature of the proposed new national governance entity for FBS football is that it be overseen by independent directors rather than by university presidents and conference commissioners with built-in conflicts of interest. Our proposed structure would not require all current conferences with their existing media contracts to be dismantled. However, a new national governing structure for FBS football would provide greater flexibility for competitive affiliations to be different for all other sports. The current NCAA structure and rules are restrictive on this point, requiring FBS football conferences to have at least eight programs that play 
regular season competitions in basketball and a specified number of other Olympic sports. Two law firms vetted our proposal and found it would comply with Title IX and antitrust laws. This overhaul is needed to correct the current misalignment of revenue, authority, and responsibility at the national level. Unlike every other NCAA-sanctioned sport, FBS football's championship, the lucrative college football playoff, does not contribute a dime to the NCAA, even though the NCAA continues to pay tens of millions of dollars in national legal and healthcare costs for FBS football annually. At the same time, the CFP, which soon will be a $2 billion enterprise, Say that, that a $2 billion enterprise that dwarfs even March Madness is run by an LLC managed by college presidents and commissioners with no independent oversight. She concludes by saying, if university presidents want to continue pretending FBS football is just like any other NCAA Division I sport, then the CFP, College Football Playoff Meeting, on August 30th to determine future revenue distributions of more than $1 billion should be its last. And these decisions should be made by NCAA governance. The alternative is to have FBS football be governed by its own entity. Wow. I mean, man, look, Drew. Let's take a break and let's absorb that and come back and break that down on the other side. Well said. Uh, and, and when we come back, I've got an update from John Grant on the BX White Challenge also. Sounds good. Good timing. Um, all right. I won't. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, good point. Let's take a break. Come back. You're watching the BCSM Sports Wrap right here on the Black College Sports Net Network. Be back in just a moment. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, 
on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. And uh, if you heard at the end of the last segment, we read the uh, statement from Amy Privet Perko, the CEO of the Knight Commission. Um, I would encourage you, if you want to read more, and if you want to read about that December 2020 proposal, go to Knight Commission. That's K-N-I-G-H-T Commission. Dot org, and that's where you will see that statement. Uh, it was released August seventeenth, which was Thursday. Okay, uh, before we uh, break down that, um, you said you had an update from John Grant. Yes, I do. Uh, for those who are interested in the Miax Swack Challenge, he says there are approximately fifteen hundred tickets remaining. Wow. for the game also make sure when you're there you get there early enough to attend the coca-cola fan experience with a special appearance by doug e fresh will begin at 3 p.m doug e fresh don't let me start beatboxing here <laughs> <laughs> Spitting all on the mic. All right, go ahead. All right. And last uh, thing is please come early to avoid the traffic delays because uh, if you've been over there by Center Park Stadium, uh, those streets are are narrow over there. <laughs> Love the way you said that. They they're well, narrow. The, 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 they are what they are. They're the, the two lane roads. Two-lane roads, yes. yes. Yes, get there early. Yes, get there early. Well, um, okay, so just to kind of – and so so the reasons – look, I think there's a couple of topics, and I don't, I didn't intend for us to spend the entire show, but I, but I thought it's worth mentioning because I think what she proposes is pretty significant, and it, it really is time for – the FBS power 65, however you want to call them. I don't, I don't care if it's power five conferences or four conferences. Let's just keep it real. It's about 60 teams, 60 schools. And it's time for them. Is, is it about 60 schools, Brian? I well, it's know good, it's really about yet. 20 of them. Really? And I would say it's real. Well, see, that's the, that's the interesting thing because now it's about, how many how many teams now does the Big Ten hold? It's, but it's not it's not about all t- all the teams in the Big Ten. It, it, it's well, about it's it's about your Michigans, 
your Michigan State, your Ohio State, your Alabamas, your Auburns, you know, it's, it's your UCLA's, your Washington, your Oregon's, your SC's. You, you, there's really only about 20 teams that really are out there because Rutgers is in the Big Ten. Who cares? Uh, Indiana Rutgers, is in the Rutgers Big Ten. Has, Rutgers, Rutgers has Who a cares? Rutgers has an access to a group of people. That, Vanderbilt oh, is in the SEC. Who cares? Uh, Vanderbilt has academic intent. See, that's do, that's do the you point. Think, do you think the SEC Vanderbilt is that one player that you put on your team to raise your team GPA? That's what Vanderbilt <laughs> is to the SEC. Same thing with Northwestern in the Big Ten. They're there to raise the the, the conference GPA. <laughs> All right, that's, that's what Stanford is to the to the old Pac twelve. I, I don't know, man. Stanford wins and Stanford wins championships and everything but football, though, Drew. And, and what's this all about, Brian? It's about football, and that's the okay. point. Okay, that's the point. That that's the point of of and and see the crazy part is the president's and she points out the president's conflict of interest. See, that's why I've said for a long time. Whenever you have issues related to what you see going on with your conference what you see going on in your school but don't go to the don't just go to the athletic director don't go to the conference commissioner go to the president of the university when we had an issue we had issues with Florida A&M University we went to Dr. Larry Robinson and then you know Dr. Larry Robinson is the one who oversees everything now whether he was doing a good job of overseeing everything or not I'm not I'm not speaking to that okay so whoever your college president is he or she chancellor whatever the terminology is that person and the board of regents or whatever board of trustees or whoever directors or whatever those are the people who are the true decision makers okay yes some of the vp of athletics have have a say at the table or they get a chance to sit at the table but at the end of the day it's the president and and there are some presidents who who are involved heavily. There are other presidents who, you know, pass it over to maybe their number two or three person or tell the athletic director, you know, keep me abreast of what's going on in our weekly meetings. You know, I hired you to do the job. I want you to do the job, you know, but uh, I, I think she's, she's clear on the point that it's time for the, and this is really a call to the NCAA to the NCAA to really step forward to the presidents and help the presidents understand what you're doing. Because here's, you know, what, you know, what's going to, you know, what, what's going to force a change, Drew, when every college athlete and coach of basketball, men and women's basketball, soccer, baseball, softball, softball, tennis, swimming, Let's um, say all Olympic sports. All Olympic sports. When when they all come together and say it's not that we reject football, we understand we we benefit from football, but because of you making us now have to travel across the country to compete instead of figuring out a way, to, and that's what she's saying. Pull pull this little nugget of football over here. And let it be its own thing. We'll be perfectly fine. We'll still root for Michigan football 
Uh, Notre Dame football, people will still root for them because they got a college name. But guess what? It won't affect all the other sports that now UCLA, UCLA softball shouldn't have to go across country to play Rutgers and Penn State softball when they do pretty doggone well playing teams up and down the West Coast. I mean, that's a powerhouse conference in softball, which has now been destroyed. All right. Let's let's, let's think of something else also, Brian. Let's think about not, not the fan. Let's think about the parent of these student athletes. Now, you you know, when you had the regionality, when you had your eight-team conferences or even ten-team conferences, it was easy for a parent to follow their child and go to a majority of these games, be it a drive or be it a short flight. If you, If your child plays for UCLA, you got to have vacation days saved up. You can't take off a half day at work. And ride to go see him play at yeah uh, Cal, or catch a catch a, a commuter flight to Cal and, and come back the same day. Oh, you got to take vacation days because your your son and your daughter has Purdue followed by Michigan or Purdue yeah. Indiana, whatever however they do it, and you're gonna. <laughs> This is something that they're going to model after the smaller conferences in the basketball and the Olympic sports. Watch you're going to start seeing quote unquote travel partners now. Well, you have to well, have travel. Well, partners. when the UCLA goes east, they're going to hit Purdue and Indiana on the on, on the same swing. They're going to hit Michigan, Michigan State on the same swing. Uh, th- uh, things like that. So, it, which is more time away from what? It's School not the problem. Passes. You you would you would hit the Michigan Michigan State, or that that just makes sense. But now the problem is, see, for the West Coast teams going east, they have to do this multiple times. Indiana only has to go out west once, maybe twice. UCLA has to go east. Five, six, seven times, depending on the sport. Right. Unless they go do what Northern Baseball does at the beginning of the season, where they just go south for two weeks and get all and get all those games in because it's too doggone cold to play up north. Right. So it's going to be interesting with those. And when y'all think the women protested about their conditions with the basketball tournament, what was it last year, two years ago? Uh, that was about the COVID ago. year. Was it twenty twenty or it was twenty? It was like the COVID year, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. It was twenty one. Whatever year that was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you're going to start seeing it's, instead of it just being focused on the women athletes like it was at that point in time, you're going to start seeing your bowling teams, your tennis teams, your golf teams, or or whoever come together and it's like. This is BS. I came here to get a degree. You know, I'm not making any NIL money. Right. Like the football players are. Like the basketball players are. Mm -hmm. So, and when you're talking about these sports, baseball, softball, 
tennis that are uh, equivalency sports where I'm actually paying to play this sport at your university? Nah, I might as well just sit my butt here and go ahead and finish. Yeah, I did. It, it was fun as a freshman and a sophomore. Now these major classes are kicking by, you know what, because I'm away from campus all the time. Nah, I, I'm, I'm going to make more money after I get done if I finish this degree than I ever make with the opportunity to go out here and play softball for my university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, and in, in one more thing about the parents, you know, we talk about the mental health of these student athletes. You want them to ha- you want them to have a good mental uh, mindset. You want you want their mental health to be good. Well, part of that goes into them seeing their uh, their parents being a part of this collegiate journey. I mean, this is this is really Drew a this meeting on August thirtieth. This is going to be a landmark meeting that could very well shape the future of college athletics as a whole. That's how big this meeting is. And again, money, money has driven all of this, but money doesn't have to be the end. If, if all, if if the major players can really think about the other sports separating from the NCAA is probably the best thing at this stage in the game. But but here's the question with that, Brian. What does the TV money go at that point? How do how do they divide up the TV money? If Why does that pull, have to change? If you if you pull those 64 teams or what whatever that number is, 64, 65 teams, because right now you're dealing with three classes of division division one teams. You've got your power teams, you've got you've got your You've got your group of five teams, and then you've got your quote unquote mid major teams. But they're all division one except for football. Yeah, Think but but, but as that, she, that, as that, that, that group of five team, those group of five schools, or you know, they're being left out also, Brian. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I said, I mean. They they pretty much have created uh, what what you could end up seeing, and this is where when we talk about okay, what becomes of FCS conferences? Like, let's just let's just let's just say this happens. Okay, so we're, let's do the speculation game. Let's say the Power Four conferences, and you see that you see. <laughs> You see the Pac-12 trying to decide, are we pull? If, if I, I think I, I saw a tweet, and I, I want to see if I get it right here. The Pac-12 has a decision to make. Do they merge with the Mountain West? Um, do they try to absorb? Do they try to absorb other colleges from, let's say, Conference USA? The whack, the whack. Do they it, the, it, and then and then brand that under the new Pac-12, um, or do 
you know, for example, does Stanford and Cal say the heck with all this? We got to go find another another conference. The Pac-12 is dead. So, and 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 two of those decisions, you know, whether you say we go be a part of the Mountain West and bring it in the is the is the Pac-12 any better off? I mean, again, what made the Pac-12 the Pac-12 was what UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon, Arizona. Arizona that's kind of the schools that made it what it was. Now, I mean, ma- including maybe a Stanford and Cal, but now you don't have you don't have six of those teams anymore. So, Brian, I I do have one proposal I, I need for for them to uh, discuss if they're meetings. Can we just get rid of numbers on conferences? Yes, yes. The Big I, Ten, the Big Ten has not been ten in twenty years. Yeah, it's like the no. big. The big, the, the big, the big twelve was down to nine. Is now up to about what fourteen now? Sixteen? It's, I, I lost count. I think it's fifteen. It's 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 uh, the, the pa- big fifteen the, or sixteen. The Pac twelve has four. We have four. Yeah, the south the the SEC is probably the smartest because they just went southeastern conference Con- and they just big, kept big, it. Big East is you know well they're they're East. gone. The, the I'm, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying the the ACC is talking about picking up the West Coast team. So right, and now you have to. You might as well change the name on that. Then the uh, West ACC. You know, I don't know the the yeah. Waxy. The Waxy is that what you can call it? Conference, conference USA is about the only conference outside the SEC who kind of got it right with the name. Had a name that made conference. sense, right? And, and, and we're the all AAC. over the place. Yeah, and, yeah the AAC. Yeah, the the AAC. They got it right. They got it right. Yeah, they got it right. Um, but yeah, so so where I was where I was speculating is let's just say they break apart for football. And again, we're still talking just football. And per that night commission statement, and their proposal is hey, the NCAA would now oversee the rest of everything. Now, does the rest of everything say minus the 64? What is that other 65 what what we consider the group of five? What do they become, and do they start FCS? Mer- do, they, do they do they do they start pulling FCS conferences up? Like, lo- and I hate to say lowering the standards, but more so making the standard standards more accessible for FCS programs. Or does the FCS become its own elite class, where now the the four or five conferences? that do have money because of their regions uh, where, where they are, you know, I'm, I'm speaking of a school like uh, North Dakota state, South Dakota state, Montana schools that are reaping the benefits of sort of being the only major player in their area. Yeah. Do, do they all of a sudden start being plucked into the group of five because this is what of you their do, numbers. Brian. This is what you do, Brian. If you want, I, if you want to keep it at two classes, two tiers, whatever the moniker you want to use, you let those current FBS that group of the power schools, they're eighty five scholarships now. Let them go to about let them go to ninety five scholarships. Hell, call it a hundred. I could care less. Let them go in because that's what that's. 
those 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 are where the players think they're gonna excel at. You take the current the remaining FBS teams at the FCS, meet somewhere in the middle, give them seventy two scholarships, and now you've just created that class, and those can all be on the same playing level. And the reason you bump the FBS up because you're taking those scholarships away from the other ones, so they can go up to that hundred. Where you remember back when we we were little, there was no limit on scholarships. You you could have 115 at your school as long as you could afford it. So you're still leaving the same opportunities for your athletes if you just move if you just we just shift some of these scholarship allotments because those schools that that power group they can afford to give out 100 scholarships for football. Mm-hmm. Some of these teams that are the the group of five schools they 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 could barely afford those 85 scholarships. So let's just call it in the middle, 72, 74, whatever the number may be. Let, let your FBS, excuse me, FCSs who want to go, who want to join that class, and we move them up to the same level so they can get to that level and achieve that status. If you don't want to be there, then okay, we can drop you down to Division Two, which there are some FCS teams that really need to drop down to Division Two, and I'm not taking shots at uh, HBCUs because there's some non-HBCUs that really need to drop down to the Division Two class because they're not putting the resources into it. Let's restructure the whole thing if we're going to do it, Brian. I I agree. I agree. There needs to be complete restructure. Um, Bringing it back towards as we kind of conclude this, the, these thoughts in this segment, and and we look at HBCUs. If in this scenario that we're playing, right, are HBCUs even more, or should they even more begin to look at their own situation and say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna be what the Ivy League does. The Ivy League doesn't participate in the college tournament, not for football, right? I'm, I think they realized a long time ago, <laughs> they, they. I don't know. I, I got to go back and do research and figure out why, but I, I just feel like they realized a long time ago, it's like, you know what? This system is flawed and it'll never be beneficial for us uh so would the i i'm torn on this i I can't even come out with what i want to say about would be better off being in their own bubble with the 18 schools again and i'm not going to say the this the the word okay the long two hyphenated words i'm not going to say it but would those 18 schools be best served in their own space, space and place, Division One FCS? Uh, and, and, you know, if three other schools want to be a part of it, maybe one other, I mean, two others seem to be doing their own thing. Um, would they be better off being in their own world and just concentrating on their own thing? But is it? I mean, because. But isn't that what we're doing right now with with the bottle for the celebration bowl, Brian? But but see, that will change. Well, yes, but you know what will change, Drew? Playing F, playing South Florida, 
playing UCLA, uh, playing uh, who else is playing LSU. I'm trying to think of other HBCUs that are playing F uh, FBS schools. That will change because I think if they pull if they pull themselves away, I don't see them going back to play lower tier conferences or schools but is that because we're pulling ourselves away or is that because they are pulling their, themselves away well they, because there's no honestly they don't there's no, there's no, they don't there's no reason for ucla to be playing north carolina central except there's they not. won't except they want somebody who they could get the threes in against and possibly the fours in against that's the correct. that's their mindset correct that's the only reason Southern is playing. Uh, I'm not Southern. LSU is playing Grambling this year because they want an opportunity to see their threes and see their fours in case of an injury. Somebody has to move up to move up the depth chart. Let's be real. But that's 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 just not us as HBCUs. That's any FCS that they're playing. Correct. That's any Group of Five team that they're playing. Those big boys are just looking to do that. So if they're going to if they're going to beat up on themselves, fine. In a in a moment, Brian, it won't matter because we're not going to have that access anyway. So if they're yeah. going to exclude us and leave us sit outside on the front porch, we might as well figure out how to have fun and go out and go out in the backyard and play on the swing set and do our own thing and have fun outside. That's true. That's true. But, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, that what you said is really something to remember, because all of that that we talked about and nobody, nobody, nobody in these meetings, I, I bet you anything, you know, when Amy Privet Perko released that statement, she wasn't thinking about HBCUs, let alone low, lower level FCS schools. Um, when they had that meeting on the 30th, they're not thinking about HBCUs. Those school, those people are thinking about those 12 bids that are going to be in this new playoff system and how can we get our team into get one of those 12 bids. You're going to see the, the, the old uh, pool on weed eat a bowl and <laughs> all that stuff are going to go by the wayside before, before 2030 the way this thing is going right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be really fascinating to watch. Um, to that's watch why, what the students do. That's why with us with with the celebration bowl and, and, and that we have currently right now is for us we we are in the best position. We being HBCUs, as long as we stay united or in the best position, and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to make some people upset, we we do not need to merge the SWAC and the BAC in order to do this. We need to keep these two conferences separate so that they ha- so that we have this competition to, br- to bring together. The SWAC and the BAC are, are, are better apart working together and can achieve more working together as two separate units than they ever could. Work, working as one unit, and there's a whole lot of logistics behind that. But that competition needs to be good because who wants to have a conference championship game for the Celebration Bowl, which is what you would have if these two conferences merged? No, I need my bragging rights. 
When I when FAMU was in the MIAC, I needed my MIAC bragging rights. Now that FAMU was in the SWAC, I need my SWAC bragging rights. Yeah. Well said. Um, okay. Interesting. Again, that August 30th meeting will be a fascinating watch. Um, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. But uh, it's just something that we wanted to hit on, just something that was on uh, on my mind. All right. I, here's what we're going to do. From, from uh, yesterday's want to make sure buzz fest at Alabama state. Here is a clip from Roy Evans with Jason Cable, the athletic director of Alabama state. And following that, we'll take a very short break. Or Actually, this may be our break, Drew. So we're going to use this as our break and then we'll come back. And we will touch on maybe a few other news and notes. And then we'll look at the Jackson State, South Carolina State showdown. I continue to be amazed at how the all the computer analytics are leaning heavy one direction. And it just continues to amaze me. It, it just, it's, it's amazing. But it is what it is. So, Let's do that. Let's take a look at this uh, conversation with Jason Cable, and then we'll come back on the other side of it right here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. And welcome back to BuzzFest. 23 right here on the campus of Alabama State University. Right now, we are here with the head man in charge, Athletic Director Dr. Jason Cable. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming out and covering our BuzzFest. Well, listen, thank you for having us. We're more than happy. This is, you know, preseason is here for the athletics. We're getting in. This is our preseason. We're looking forward to it, and we're really excited about it, having great fun talking to your coaches, getting ready to talk to some of the players and things. But let's hear it from you. What is, what is your vision? For this year, we, we're going to jump right into the fire, and then we'll come back with some of the other stuff. But what is your vision this year for ASU athletics? I think to compete on a national level. We've done a great job comp competing uh, within the Southwestern Athletic Conference for a number of years. Uh, I think we have the coaches, we have the student athletes, we have the facilities, uh, we have a visionary leader as a, as a president, and I think we have the tools necessary to really compete on a national level. So we don't want to look past the conference, uh, but I think the goal. Um, at the end of the year, is that we want national championships. Okay. All right. Well, so, you know, we actually had the opportunity to be with you guys in Birmingham for your coaches tour, where you're talking, had several of the coaches out there talking about a lot of the championships, talking about the history and things. Tell us a little bit about how that history of what Alabama State was impacts what some of your goals are. I think it creates a culture. Um, when you look at uh, competition within the conference, we've won the Commissioner's Cup uh, seven out of the last nine years. Um, so as, as student-athletes leave and student-athletes come in, the expectation um, is to win conference championships. Uh, but the goal, is, as I stated earlier, is to compete on a national level. So I think just the history really speaks to the culture uh, that we have within the athletic department as an institution. We want to be the best in the conference, and we want to compete on a national level. Okay. 
So listen, now now we're gonna roll back around. I'm gonna get into some of the uh, some of the more sociable things that we got going on. Dr. King, tell us a little bit about yourselves. And I'm I'm gonna do this because see, I work with a bunch of your frat brothers, so I would be remiss if I didn't be like, we know that he's a member of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. But tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from. Before you. Yeah, I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. I had an opportunity to play basketball within a conference uh, at Alcorn State University. Okay. Uh, that's where I pledged the greatest fraternity uh, on earth, Omega Psi Phi. Uh, from there, started in coaching a little bit uh, and then moved into administration. Uh, so basketball player, basketball coach, got into student-athlete services and kind of made my rounds. Uh, conference schools and then outside the conference all within the HBCU space and really just found uh, a passion for impacting the lives of student athletes and so that's why I do what I do and I just had an opportunity to continue to climb the ladder um, and get to head a program okay. and so you know we just focus on the student athlete experience want to graduate student athletes while winning championships both of those things are very important but uh, that's just me in a nutshell and I just I just love being around uh, student athletes, just seeing the growth, the maturity um, as they come in as a freshman and they leave um, as a better person. And so we always say everywhere I've been, four years on campus should prepare you for the next 40 years of your life. And that's okay. one of the goals we want to achieve while graduating student athletes and while winning championships. All right. All right. Well, you heard him. You know, there might be some debate about the greatest fraternity in the world. There's no but, debate. You know, we, we'll let that go because it's all D9 love. we got to get it in there. But you know what, listen, uh, Dr. Cable, we are really excited about every opportunity that we're going to have to be here with you guys. We know we'll be back on September the 9th when you guys are playing Miles, one of the other HBCUs here in the uh, Alabama, in the state of Alabama, also one of our BCSN partner schools. But we're excited about it, looking forward to working with you all. Tell Hornet Nation the best way for them to, to support and how they can reach out, what's the best things for them to do to get to you guys. Well, the best thing to do is, is come to the games, first of all, uh, support our student-athletes. Um, we all need your donations. We need your financial support. But we need your support, boots on the ground, just saying great things about the institution, sharing their experiences uh, that you've had as alumni, as you have as uh, supporters. Uh, but Bama State Sports on all our social media, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can give uh, through those avenues. Uh, and just support us um, in everything that we do, on and off the field. That's all we ask. All right, there you go, folks. You heard it. Be on the lookout because we will be doing some promotional stuff and helping to push because we want as many bodies in the seats as possible. That game on September the 9th, mark your calendars. We're going to be asking for you to step in and reach into your pockets and let's get some folks into these seats, help donate some tickets. We've got youth groups from, from Montgomery all the way up to Fairfield that we'll be able to get down here to come out and support. So let's uh, let's stay tuned and get going again. I want to thank you to Dr. Jason Cable for sitting down with us and talking. We're going to go. I think we might be getting ready to pull in Coach Robinson to talk a little bit about football. We know that's what most of y'all want to hear about today. Absolutely. We're also going to get an opportunity, and we're going to talk to our other young lady. We have an intern who will be coming in getting a whole lot. Miss Kaylin Thomas will be talking a lot about your school and, okay. and following you all all season for us. But we'll be back with more right here on the Black College Sports Network. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. 
Uh, glad to be back with you. Uh, hope you enjoyed that conversation that we had, that uh, Roy had with uh, AD Jason Cable, uh, Dr. Jason Cable. Good stuff, BuzzFest. We'll bring up the conversation with Eddie Robinson here a little bit later in the show. Um, I wanted to take a second, Drew, and pivot to another fall sport that I really love, that I'm a become a very big fan of, not just because, you know, the obvious, you know, that um, my beloved university has won this conference two years in a row, uh, and we can continue to Yo show university? our our university. Okay. Our I university. Saying, I, can't, I can't get a little. <laughs> um, hey, hey, Brian, remember I had it first. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. Uh, with this earlier uh, Friday, the SWAC announced the volleyball preseason honors and the uh, predicted order of finish. Um, the preseason player of the year is Florida A&M's Brooke Lynn Watts. Um, while Alabama State's Tylea Gaines was the preseason blocker of the year. Florida A&M's Brooke Hudson was named the preseason libero of the year. And Grambling State's Anna Calderon was selected as the preseason setter of the year, rounding out the list of preseason individual awards. Uh, for Watts, she was last year's newcomer of the year in the SWAC. Uh, she had 321 kills last year behind the conference player of the year, two-time pl uh, player of the year, that is. Uh, and Miss Dominique Washington. And so uh, Watts was an all-first-team SWAC uh, nominee or recognized uh, last year. And uh, even on the defensive side, she does it as well. as She was third on the team in digs, 252 and sixth in blocks. For games of Alabama State, uh, she finished – Last year with 49 total blocks, including 17 solos while recording 92 kills. Uh, she hit .273 on the season and concluded the year with 11 service aces. Uh, Games also recorded five or more kills nine times the past year. She tallied four or more blocks six times with a season high seven blocks during a league matchup. Uh, for Brooke Hudson, uh, Hudson was the best defensive player. Check this. Was the best defensive player in the nation and the top defensive player in the SWAC, finishing with 487 digs. Well, one of. Okay, I, I, I embellished there when I said the best defensive player. She was one of. I, I, you know, I don't want people to. Anyway, she finished with 487 digs, which is 44th in the nation. So top 50. I mean, just think about how many schools and players there are right she right. was top 50 she was 44th in the nation uh first in the swat um she led the league in total digs during conference play and digs per set uh she earned swat defensive player of the week a total of five times last year 
for Miss Calderon of uh, Grambling. Uh, yeah, she went to Grambling. Um, she returns. She was a first-team all-slack selection last year. Uh, she was a key contributor uh, to one side of Grambling 6-2 offense. Drew, you, you, you understand? You know what a 6-2 offense is in, in volleyball? All right, break that down for us, Drew. What's the 6-2 offense in, in like, six, the, elevator, the elevator pitch? Six attacker, two two setters. That means your set your setter is always going to be on the back row, and you're going to rotate your setter in and out to keep your setter on the uh, – excuse me, your setter is going to be on the front row. Your setter is going to be on the front row. To, uh, when a 6-2 versus, versus having a uh, one setter where that one six, setter can crowd six, everyone set it, set it up. Yeah, six one or five one or four two. Those are your no well, no one plays a four two at the uh, collegiate level. You, you yeah, you don't see a four two at the collegiate level. All right. Um Calderon played in a total of one hundred sets last year. She finished the season with five hundred and sixty four assists while averaging five point six assists per set. Um now as it relates to the predicted order of finish. The two-time defending champs were selected to once again finish first as Florida AM finished with 160 total votes and nine first place votes. But Alabama State also was right there in the hunt, uh, receiving 149 total points with five first place votes. Just stop right there, Brian. Are you surprised? Considering those two teams split last year, those two teams been in the finals the last two years. Are you really surprised, Brian? Well, it hasn't been the last two years because I think two years ago, Jackson State actually right. was in the finals yeah. against Florida but, A&M. But they, they finished one, two in regular season. And, and if I'm not mistaken, years. those are the only two opponents that Florida A&M has lost to in the, in the regular play. season, in SWAC play. And yes. it's only once. They have, never, they have not been swept. Uh, in a season by state or ja- by either Alabama State or Jackson State, um, right. and I remember the opening game, opening match in the conference play, Alabama State was up 2-0 on FAMU, and FAMU rallied to win 3-2 uh, in the first SWAC conference play. Um, so that that'll be interesting. In terms of the rest of the conference, no one else received a first place vote. Jackson State. Finished third in the predicted order. Bethune Cookman finished fourth. Grambling fifth. Texas Southern sixth. Then followed up on the second half by Alabama AM, Prairie View AM, Southern, UAPB, Alcorn, and Mississippi Valley State to round out the 12. And so, um, you know, when you look at the first team, just to kind of recognize first team selections, I'm trying to see if any one particular school had more. No, you had, you actually, you know, you had a couple of uh, young ladies from Florida A&M. Obviously, you had uh, two players from Alabama State, two from Jackson State, um, Prairie View, Grambling, Bethune, Cookman. So they, you know, it was it was pretty well split on the first team. Nobody had more than two on the first team. Uh, yeah, I can say that without uh, without any errors there. So, 
Yeah. So I, I just wanted to make mention of that as the volleyball season is underway. And um, I, I think I did see something that the MEAC will actually have uh, something where the volleyball programs will take over their Instagram pages, uh, the Instagram page tomorrow. So that'll be something uh, to kind of watch out for. Okay. Let's talk about this MEAC SWAC challenge, Drew. Um, from this perspective, I know you and I are numbers guys. And we love looking at the numbers. One of the fascinating things I think that I have seen is how the analytics or the predictive computer analytics, before any game has played, what they say and what they think about a team. And I'll juxtapose that, Drew, by what we know about Vegas betting lines, okay? Because usually, at least at this level, the HBCU FCS level, a lot of times because there's not a lot of knowledge early on in the season, there's actual money that can be made, right? You can get what's called a real good number if you're smart enough and paying attention, okay? So I use this game of South Carolina State and Jackson State as my, let's just say it's going to be my my test dummy for the year. Or at least for is that, the week. Is that it, it test, comma, dummy? Well, if it goes wrong for me, I will be the dummy. I will go ahead and admit it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm willing to I think my astute observations are going to lead me on the right path here. Okay. Um the two particular places that I, I think I'm gonna point to is uh one can one one data analytics predictive site called Massey Ratings, okay? And the other is a site that really is more so known for its basketball, but they also use their same models with football, and it's called warrennolan.com, uh, warrennolan.com, okay? And they do predictions, okay? They uh, essentially take the data from a season ago, stir it into a pot, some supercomputer, and they crank out numbers. That's pretty much how it's done, right, Drew? Pretty much. Okay. So Massey, which, by the way, ranks Jackson State as the top HBCU team. Now, we – Yeah. Mistake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look, we've yeah, seen get that, get that action while you can. Look, I, I'm I'm just gonna say we've seen the polls, right? I'm I'm looking at the top 25 FCS polls, preseason polls, right? The uh stats analyst site, right, has North Carolina Central ranked 19th. Uh no other HBCU until you get to Jackson State receiving votes and Florida NM. Um, the AFCA, the coaches poll, 
actually has North Carolina Central 19. Florida A&M is actually 25th. Jackson State receiving some votes. Okay. Um, I think the only other person who had a slightly different poll, Blue Bloods. Zach had, if I recall, he actually had North Carolina Central in the teens. I think somewhere at 13, 14, I think I saw, recall. Actually had Jackson State like 21 and had Florida A&M 25. So he was the only one that was a little oppo of the stats analysts and the FCS polls. Okay. Um, but here's what the numbers are saying. We understand what South Carolina State is returning. Now, yes, they lost some some guys. Um, they lost, of course, Shaq Davis. They lost B.J. Davis. Um, but, you know, they do return a quarterback, a veteran quarterback. Um, and we know Buddy Pugh's teams. We have the we have we have history. We have enough data to know what Buddy Pugh's teams are usually like, and we we can pretty much go off the history of what Buddy Pugh's teams are usually like at the beginning of the season. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find this here, Drew. Now, of course. Buddy Pugh's team was three and eight last year, right? Last year, they won their first FCS game against an FCS opponent. They beat Bethune Cookman, thirty-three to nine, and that was then followed up by three consecutive losses before they played Virginia Lynchburg one, and before they beat North Carolina Central. Then they finished the year with four consecutive losses. Uh, make no sense of it, okay? But they started the year with a win. 2021, they started that year uh, with a game that they probably could have won. They, they lost to Alabama a and by one point, 42-41. Okay? I remember that game. I remember that game as well. Uh, I'm going to throw out the 2021 COVID year, 2020 COVID year. That was the spring COVID year. I'm going to throw that out. Go to 2019. They opened the season with a win over Wofford, 28 to 13. Uh, so the last... Three seasons under Pew, last three, against FCS opponents, two and one, probably could have been three and oh. Okay. And of course, we know they won the Celebration Bowl two years ago. Jackson State, new coach, 60. I've heard it say 60 to 70, some new players. A whole bunch. One offensive returner, two defensive returners. These are starters. 
So, I mean, no team has fewer starters, returning starters, in the SWAC. Maybe, heck, in in uh, major college football. In, in major college football, like Jackson State. Colorado might be the other school that has, I mean, <laughs> interesting what, enough. What do we have in common? Yeah, interesting enough, Colorado might be the other school that has the fewest number of returning starters. Okay. So where am I going with all this, Drew? The predicted score for Massey, yes, yes, yes. You can keep going back to the number one HBCU class, uh, Chris Dukes. I, I'm, I'm waiting to see how that's going to actually play into this game. Who knows? It might. Okay. Um, Jackson State's predicted to win 34 to 17 by Massey. 32 to 17, according to Warner Warren Nolan. Uh, that's a margin of 15 at one site, 17 another. I mean, Drew, are you telling me? I'm I'm just gonna throw a number. What I expect to see probably sometime floating around Friday. I'm expecting Jackson State to be probably a 14 to 15 point favorite. That's what I'm expecting based on these analytics. And if that is the case, Drew, are you like me that you are taking a paycheck? Cash money paycheck. Who, whose paycheck? Well, it'll be it'll be your own, your own paycheck. Okay. But you know, you know, you know, you, you know I can't, I, I can't bet on the games. We can't bet on the games. But okay, that, I'm sorry. Yes, I had to be. Let's let's make sure we're clear on that. Drew, Drew can't, Drew can't play, um, but I can. So let, you can take my second paycheck. So I give you one of my paychecks, Drew, and I'm gonna take my first paycheck. You take, you can. I'm give you my second paycheck, figuratively, okay, not literally, figuratively. And we're going to go to the same place and we're going to put every dollar that we got on South Carolina State to cover two touchdowns. And we might even sprinkle a little, sprinkle, sprinkle on the money line. (laughs) Outrageous bet, good bet. What do you think, Drew? No, I think it's very safe bet. I think it's, you, you would be almost foolish not to take South Carolina State and the points. Yeah. I now, agree. South Carolina State for the straight up win on the money line. You have to do a little bit of a deeper dive and a deeper analysis on that. But here's the thing, Brian. Outside of Morgan State, when does when did Buddy Pugh get blown out against an FCS opponent? Against the HBCU, um, it, it it just don't happen. I mean, Morgan State got them last year. Talking about the forty, well, I mean, but it count, it, it, count, it it don't happen, Brian. Do you account a two touchdown loss to Howard? Two touchdowns to AMT. I mean, what? Last year was an aberration. All right. 
a a buddy pew coach team does not lose, does not get blown out. Number one, because Buddy Pugh is one of the masters in HBCU football at controlling the clock. Thirty-seven and at MU two years ago. That, that there's one a year. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be the one though. Twenty-seven to seventeen, North Carolina anti. That's not a blowout. What's your definition? How are you defining blowouts? Uh, more than two possessions. Okay. I got you. Yes. That's fair. Yeah. There, there are very few of them. I, I uh, Overall, I'm, I'm not going to keep shooting holes in what you're saying. I'm just saying, you're right. There's very few of them. Um, so where do you... Where do you where do you where do you lean on this one? Where do you lean on this one? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are right, Zoe, until that last game of the year. <laughs> we were right. We what did say we were wrong until Wait, we, we were right. We was wrong the first year in the celebration bowl because we actually took Jackson State. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. We were right. The second year, where I was, because I took Central. Now, what we were both wrong is we both took FAMU. One yeah, of them, so one, one year, one year in a game that either team could have won, Jackson State did win it. In the other year, where FAMU said had so much garbage going on, I'm surprised they didn't put up they didn't put up triple digits against FAMU that year. So the so so Zoe, your statement really, you're a week early. On your statement, save your statement for next Sunday's show as we get ready to go into a week one contest and see see how ridiculous we are with our predictions. Then, <laughs> and then you might be able to throw that at us. Yes, definitely, definitely. But you got to lean Jackson State week one if we're talking about that, Brian. Obviously, we know they've won their last two. Opening games of the season. I don't. I, I don't know off the top of my head beyond twenty twenty one, what they've done in their their first game. So you may have a power clash. You're talking about a two and one South Carolina State team, and I'll tell you what Jackson State did in twenty nineteen in just a moment, Brian. I can pull it up for you. You said 2019? Yes, we're throwing COVID year out. The four and eight season. Does anybody still recognize that at Jackson State? Does does anybody recognize that four and eight season? They're probably like, oh, that didn't happen. It's in the book. (laughs) We don't don't remember that year. No one remembers that year. Or, or Or the five and five year before it. Yeah, it's in, it's the, in books. the books, right? They did. So you're talking two teams that are two on one in the last three years on opening day. They lost to Bethune. Uh, matter of fact, Brian. Oh, I wish I wish I had the controls. Why? Wow, what am I missing? That 
That was the last time Jackson State was in Atlanta for the BX Swag Challenge was the mascot game. The mascot game. Yes, right. when the mask when the mascot got thrown out the game. <laughs> yes. I still that have, wasn't the XWAC challenge. I still have the clip, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that was the mascot game. And they lost the Bethune 36-15. Yeah. All right. So again, we gave you what the predicted score is, what the potential line is. I, you know, uh, you, you got to make sure to follow us on Twitter to find out. Uh, we'll we'll let you guys know what the line is a little bit later in the week once it's published. But I'm but I'm going to guesstimate that they're going to create a now a, a a savvy or an astute sports book, whether it be globally or in one of the locations where you can wager in the United States. If they're on their game, they'll set this line around a touchdown in favor of Jackson State, to be honest. And that will bring money on both sides because you Jackson State folks will eat that up. You, you'll certainly eat six and a half. You'll eat that up. You'll say, oh, yeah, we can, we're, we're going to beat South Carolina State by a touchdown. You know, but if it's 14, 15 points, like a lot of the predictive numbers are saying. No way. That game, Drew, there may be so much money that comes in on that game. That game, make if it starts at 14, that game may close. At 10? Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. That game may close at 10. Um, so, what's your prediction? A lot of you folks at, in the chat room, what's your score? What's your score prediction? Uh uh, I, I know you can't necessarily give a score prediction, Drew. Uh, that would be a little too much. But um, I'm going to – I'm going to go 28-24, South Carolina State. I'm going to go 28-24, South Carolina State. I think you get a close game, a competitive game. I think Jackson State might even have a lead going into the fourth quarter. Might even have a 24-21 uh, lead. But I'm just going to find – I'm just going to go Jackson State at the end or South Carolina State at the end. You know, just stay, sticking on script. Can, 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 I, can I ask one other question, Brian? What What's up? What's the over-under on the game? So, um, the over under looks like it, it's at a, set at about 49, according to well, again, 49 if you're looking at one site. And let me see, do the math here. Yeah, 49 to 50, somewhere in that ballpark. 49 to 50, I think, is what it'll be. I'm, I'm I would lean towards the under. Ooh. Hmm. That's a tough one. I, I mean, what do we know what the first off? Can you look at the weather? What's the weather going to be like in Atlanta? Next week? Yeah, that's great. That's great. But 
But I don't, I don't know what it's going to be at night. Any, I don't want any rain to throw this game into flux. Oh, you mean like last year? Like last year, yeah. With the with the not one, not two, but three three rain delays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that that I hope that doesn't happen to me again. Um, two tests. Guess guess what's know. supposed to happen on Saturday, Brian? Grossly underrated, huh? Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's see. High of ninety eight on Saturday, with a low of seventy three. Low seventies with no rain in the forecast. Yes, continue to play. Pray that that maintains. Zoe says the low seventies with no rain in the forecast. Let's pray that that uh, that holds true. Uh, looks like about kickoff. The temperature will be about ninety, and Ooh. we'll drop it to the mid eighties by the end of the game. All right. I so I, I hope y'all have fun. They got AC where I'm gonna be working at. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm gonna rub it in y'all face. I got AC. And if Breathe. and if and if somebody up there where I'm at opens up that window, they they might get thrown up out of it. That's all I'm gonna say. We you don't want to hear the natural sound, Drew. We can't have the natural sound. As long as I don't have the natural heat to go with the natural sound. Oh, man. Um, more scores coming in 21 17. Uh, yes, the game is outside, Edwin. It's not in the uh, Mercedes Benz Stadium, it's at Center Park Stadium, which is former Ted Turner Stadium. It's an outdoor stadium. So, well, uh, I don't see any more scores, any final scores. Most of you guys have kind of dropped your score predictions. Uh, I, I it looks well, uh, what is what is Adrian Crook smoking? Look, oh, you saw that? Yes, you, you that that is interesting. I'll tell you what, I got hey, even more. I have more hey, respect for Jackson State than that, Adrian. I'm roll, you roll me some of that. Yeah, I got more respect for Jackson State than that. It's Forty-one to seven, really? Man, interesting. Um, <laughs> Russell Hayes, repeat, thirty-one to ten. Move. Hey, what are we gonna do when J State shocks the world? You know what? Uh, we, what? we 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 go we go, we gonna let them celebrate and put their L on them next week. That's exactly what we are gonna do. Right, we're, we're gonna pat them on the back and we're gonna say good, good game. Job. And, 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 and we're gonna send them down to Miami, Miami Gardens. We're gonna send them down to Miami Gardens. Yeah, Miami. That's, boy. that's all we're gonna do. That's all we're gonna do. <laughs> that's exactly what's gonna happen. Thirty-four uh, seventeen, South Carolina State. All right, there we go. More scores. Israel, of course, 24-13. All right. Um, any other notes or anything you want to touch on, Drew, before we uh, close it up for tonight? No, man. I, I, I'm actually excited that football season is, is here, Brian. Yeah. It, it's here. So now, you know, we've got the, for those of us with kids, it's kind of like, okay, 
labor labor pains are here push 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 we got the we got the we got the crib ready we got the bassinet ready we got the we got the house uh kid proof now it's time to bring home the baby <laughs> well said well said Crossing everything that that's that's exactly what what time it is so all right well um Kelvin, friend of the show, it would not be a shocker when when JSU wins. No, I actually, Kelvin, I don't think I'll, it's going to be a shocker. Who, who whoever wins this game is not really going to surprise me. I, I'm just be, I'm just being honest with you. Because I, 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 I'm gonna say it. I think the score might shock me if if it's a if it's a big blowout by Jackson State by you know ten or more. A t- more than a touchdown, even that would shock me. That really would. Here, here's the thing, Brian, and I want everybody to listen to me on this one. Whoever loses this game on Saturday may not win another game till October. Ooh. When you look at both of the schedules Ooh. after, when you look at both of these teams' schedules after Let's the Black yeah, Challenge. Them fighting start, words, Drew. It, it might be September 30th before either one of these teams win another game. Here's what Drew's talking about. South Carolina State, after Jackson State, they travel to Charlotte. They travel to Georgia Tech. Then they have a bye week. Then they take on yeah. the Citadel. And then they got Lynchburg. And then, and, but they have another bye week in September. So they only have four games. Well, obviously... They're only playing three of the five weeks in uh, September. So, so once again, let me let me let me ask that question. Me, hold on, let me give Jack. Hold, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm gonna go back. If South Carolina State loses the BXWAC Challenge, will they win a game in September based on that schedule? They may go. Oh, they may go into October winless. Ooh, man. Um, that's on that you're saying something. And Jackson State, I think Jackson State has a very tough first four games. Obviously, after South Carolina State, they take on Florida A&M in Miami Gardens. Then they travel to Southern. Then they travel to Texas State. And they host Bethune-Cookman. So, again, I, I keep asking Drew, what are the odds? on Jackson State going 0-4. And and more importantly, what are the odds of them going 1-3? And And I think those odds are high. I mean, you don't know. South Carolina State is kind of obvious what's going to happen with them just based based on the teams that they have to play. Jackson State, honestly... And I'm taking the FAMU homerism out of it. Jackson State is is, is a swing team. They could be either way. Jackson State could be 0-4, or Jackson State could very well be 4-0. You really think four, you really think that's possible? I, I, I mean, they, they, they could beat South Carolina State. We know they could beat FAMU, and we know they could beat Southern. 
Yeah, play, that's three and zero right there. Players, players and coaches beat no, teams. Uh, but but, yeah, but logos, but, logos and colors don't beat teams. But, but it's, 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 it's mentality, confidence. That that they they they, they those who were there in twenty twenty one want to get back at South Carolina State. How many guys is that though? I mean, really, how many got? They've only got three returning starters from last year, Drew. Israel, you tell me, how many players does Jackson State have from the 2021 season? But stay stay with me on that. I I got you. I got you. Okay. We know they know they can beat FAMU. They have confidence that they can beat FAMU because they've done it the last two years. 60 to 70 players haven't done it, Drew. That's what I, I keep fighting. They, I'm, they, I'm fighting back on this narrative that y'all beat, keep going out there they, that they have beaten FAMU. They, 60 they to 70 beat, guys have not beaten FAMU. They have beaten Southern three times in the last two years. So right. when you're talking about a coaching staff who understands what they what they need to do to win. Because a lot of some of those coaches are still there, Brian, even though some of the players may have turned over. Some of those coaches are still there. The the opponents that they're playing, they're the same coaches that they've played. And you know, coaches, coaches uh get into their routine, they have they have their tendencies. So Jackson State is the swing team. They could Jackson State will be one extreme or the other. Where Jackson State will not be after those four games is two and two. Jackson State will either be three or one, four and zero, oh, or they'll be one and three or zero oh and four. They would not be a two and two team. They would not be a five hundred team. There that you go. Roll, I could mark my word on that. Roll tape on that. Drew said headline: Jackson State will not be two and two going into the Bethune Cookman game. So that's what we're going to hold on to, and see if he's right or wrong. Yeah, and Israel, honestly, no, no, no one would be surprised if you beat FAMU. I don't want you to beat Fabio as, as a Fabio alum, but no, it would not surprise me. Hmm. Yes, there will be a, a bunch of us, uh, Michael Roldal Reed at the uh, BX Swag Challenge. Oh, okay. I was I was wondering what he was asking. Um, I'm not really sure what you're asking me here, Royal. Um, this first full year with the same signing class that we have now. I think I think he's trying to say some of those first year players are still there. Uh, okay. Um, and I know Royals at JSU alone, so he would know yeah. better than I would. I'm just I'm curious. Okay, I mean let's. All right, let, let's let's dig through the roster. Dig through the and, roster. Come and, back and look and at I, the roster. And I'm, from... and I'm assuming Royal is talking about the actual signees, not the transfers. Again, I, I'm just asking. The, I I was in the room, Drew, when Coach T.C. Taylor said we have 60 to 70 new players that have not experienced losing to South Carolina State. So if that's the case, that also applies to beating Florida A&M two years in a row. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm just drawing a line from one statement to the next based on if, what he said. You're making an inference. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. An inference. <laughs> I, I learned a, I learned a new word. Thank you. <laughs> okay. 
All right, uh, let's get ready to pick up and get out of here. Uh, Mike Road Dog, one final prediction there. All right, the, uh, no, you're playing unders. If it's four, if it's forty nine fifty, you're playing the under, Mike. Okay, that's dangerously close. I don't know if I got the guts to play the under. Um. Okay. Again, the game is seven thirty Saturday. ABC. Get your family and friends together. If you're out, tra- if you're out at a sports bar or a restaurant, guess what? Tell them to put the game on. Hey, Brian, there if will be no other game you, to put on. What? There will be no other game to put on. Okay, that's, that's my point. But if it's not on, if you go out to eat and it's not on, demand that they put it on. And when they tell you, oh, I don't know where, it's on ABC. Every sports bar has ABC. They don't even have to go to cable. It's very important that this game draw big numbers. So we all need to be watching. And then we will we will critique the hell out of this game after. But let's all watch. Let's all enjoy. And then, you know, root for your Bulldogs, root for your Tigers, root for your conference, Miat, root for your, your SWAC. See, that's another thing. I guess we're supposed to root for the SWAC. Eh. Okay. You know. Eh. You know, I'm more so studying Jackson State for the next week. So that's how I'm looking at the game, win or lose. But anyway, the more important thing is that we put eyes on ABC at 7.30 Eastern time, 6.30 Central, Saturday night, week zero, prime time, South Carolina State against Jackson State. (laughs) You know, because if we weren't playing you the next week, it wouldn't be hard, okay? If we hadn't lost the last three times we played y'all, it wouldn't be hard. But everything hey, about hey, playing hey, Jackson State is hard, Israel. Everything. I'm just keeping it real. Hey, hey Brian. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Everybody needs to be pulling for Jackson State so that we can add a little bit of balance to this uh, MEAC dominance. You know, MEAC has a, since 2000 has a 19-win advantage over the SWAT. So every game that we can get in their own, and there are only three matchups this year. Yeah. One there's is no, Saturday. Tell people, tell people there's no, it's not hate. It's not hate. There's no hate. There's no hate. Yes. I mean, you know, you, you got a new coach and a new roster. That's all. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a football historian. And I just continue to ask people this very simple question. And not one person has been able to give me an example, Drew. And I've been asking it for about a month. You know what that is? What's that? Give me the last team that lost, uh, let me see, 19 starters over 75% of their production on offense and defense and came back the next year with a Practically brand new team, and still was in contention for the championship. I'm just asking for one team. That's all. I'm just looking for some. I'm just looking for some historical precedent because it will be historical if Coach TC Taylor pulls it off. See what I did there? See what I did there? I gave. I gave. I gave y'all some credit. It will be historical. If it happens, but I don't think it's ever happened. So, okay. Hey, 
three three swag BAC matchups this year, Brian. Uh-huh. One is one is Saturday. Okay. The other one is Valley and Central. And that's a psych game, I believe. That's uh City Classic. Circuit City Classic. Classic. Yes, it and, is. And and the third one will be the celebration bowl. That's it this year. Really? That's, that's it. That's sad and interesting. Only two regular season regular matchup. season contest matchup between the Miak and Swat. And one and one of them is a class, and one of them is a forced game, for lack of a better word. Both, both of them are neutral sites. Both of them are neutral sites. Neutral sites yes. Yeah. Okay. All with right. Swag, with the swag, what's, what's your what's your predictions? Two and one, one and two, or one three, three and zero. Oh. What do you mean in these in these matchups? Yes. Uh, two right and now. One. Two, two and one. Two and one. Let me guess which one you go give them. Uh, Circle City Classic. And Celebr- <laughs> you give it a B act out one. <laughs> Circle City Classic and the Celebration Bowl will be won by the SWAT. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, so you got so you got South Carolina State with is that all right? I, I just told you. I just put the score up there. I told you what my prediction on the score was. You wait, years. wait, but time out, time out, time out. Hold on, hold on. Uh, roll, roll tape back. You roll got Valley. Back. You got Valley beating Central. Is that what you're saying? If you got oh, the wait, a minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That means you got Valley beating Central. I want to make sure I, I will give you a chance to correct that. Okay, so okay, so in the three matchups, it'll be two one Miak, two one Miak. Okay. Gotcha. I, if that if that's true, Adrian, I don't know if I don't know if you're just I don't know who you're basing that off of. I'd love to hear who you're basing who who is that. But interesting. Okay, let's get out of here, Drew. We can be here all day. Uh, I am going to leave you. Let's leave people with a couple interviews from Buzzfest. Uh, of course, Alabama State is one of those teams that I think. Will be in the hunt for the for the Eastern Division in the SWAC. My sleeper team uh, in the East. Yeah, a lot of people's sleeper teams uh, this year in, in the SWAC. Um, and so here's an interview with uh, Eddie Robinson Jr. And then we'll follow that up with a conversation from Alabama State volleyball coach Penny Lucas White. Uh, so these are interviews from BuzzFest, which hey, was catch- Saturday at Alabama State. Catch, hey, make sure you catch me at the uh, Coca-Cola Fan Experience if you come to the BX Swag Challenge. Make sure you look out for it, brother. Yeah, Coca-Cola Fan Experience. That's Saturday, right? Yes, 3 o'clock. Saturday, 3 o'clock before the game. And then uh, so so bring your family down early. Uh, should be a good time in Atlanta. And, and look, is it is it it's appropriate because this is a celebration of HBCU football. You don't have to dress up in dress up in your school nail you. You know, if you're if you're you know from well, I don't know FAMU, North Carolina Central, Southern, Talladega, 
Talladega, whatever, wherever you're from, dress up in your, your school. Always. Yeah, yeah. Wear wear your school gear. I mean, this is we. This Either is wear a, that or wear D nine. Yeah, well, you yeah, exactly. Folks are gonna do that anyway, but but celebrate HBCU culture when you come out to the Miak Swag Challenge again. Only uh 1,500 tickets remaining, so it's real close to a sellout. So you better get your tickets now. Jump on Ticketmaster, or I'm sure you can go to is it MiakSwagChallenge.com? Correct. Hey, there you go. Miak Swag Challenge. I read I had I hit the number on on the on the target. All right, bottom of the hour. Let's play these two clips and then uh get out of here. So thank you to everybody for being a part of the show in the chat rooms. Make sure you sign up and uh, be a part of the JBN membership. Um, you know, you can find it right there on YouTube, uh, youtube.com, myjbnonline slash join. And uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. Hit all the likes, hit the thumbs up button wherever you are. And look out for the BCSN pod zone on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Google, and Apple Podcasts. So you can download all of the shows that are part of the BCSN. All right, Drew, any final thoughts or words you want to say before I hit this button? Peace out, everybody. All right, guys. Be safe. We'll see you in Atlanta on Saturday night. Let's get ready to go. Football season is here. Let's get ready to play. Here we go. All right, everybody, hello and welcome back. We are here. The interview that you've all been waiting for, of course, we're here with head coach Eddie Robinson Jr. Coach, how are you feeling today? Feeling great, man. Got a lot of people out here. Uh, spring game, uh, we're not spring game. <laughs> uh, the fall scrimmage is going yeah. well, but uh, uh, just a good job to uh, have all the fans out here. AD Cable did a good job of getting all the local people to come out and support us. All right, cool. Well, listen, we're going we're gonna to jump right into it. And like I said, we'll come back to some of the personal stuff. But folks want to know, man, what are we looking forward to? What are they going to be looking for? What is Hornet Nation going to be looking to see as we get ready to get into this 2023 season? Well, I tell you, man, Coach Markham would always tell me, if you can't kick, you can't win. So we're going to start off by having great special teams. I think that's how you get started. Uh, any team that comes out here and play, you got to play physical and play dis- discipline. Then you got to play great defense. And after that, if you can run the football, uh, you'll be okay. And so uh, offensively, we got to play complementary football, and that means that we got to get three and outs and make sure that we're driving, not putting the defense in the bad field position. Just do the basic things. I don't think football has changed a whole lot. You know, we got a lot of new terminologies and a lot of different ways we call plays. But at the end of the day, you got to block and tackle and play discipline football. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Coach, who are some of the players that we're going to be looking, that we should be looking out for in your key positions this year? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start with Bubba. I mean, um, you know, Bubba Colton Adams, I mean, he's a guy that's just uh, All-American on and off the football field, you know, has his MBA, still getting another degree. I don't know what he's getting now, but <laughs> just, a, just a great kid. You know, Maddox, he's a young guy who was a freshman last year, freshman All-American, safety. Uh, Michael Victor is another guy that's going to be a cornerback that's going to play extremely well for us. Uh, offensive side of the ball, I think uh, one of the new guys we have is A.J. Lewis, tight end, who play well. Uh, Juwan Howell. How- uh, he was kind of in the mix at running back, but now he'll be the feature guy. And, of course, D. Davis at quarterback. And uh, we just got to go out there and make plays. I mean, we have a lot of a lot of good individual players on the team, so now we're just putting it all together to make it a team. Okay. 
Now, if I'm not mistaken, Bubba was with you in Birmingham, wasn't he? He was. He I thought was. so. We were up there we were at, at the alumni coaches uh, tour. So that's that's great. That's yeah. great. So looking at your schedule coming in, I know most coaches, you know, we, we ask the question. They tell us well, we're worried about the next game. Yeah. We know, of course, the Magic City Classic is the big rivalry with uh, with ASU. What are some of the other things, that other games that you might be looking at that, that kind of say, hey, this this is going to be something that can be important for us? I mean, we're pretty much looking at it game to game. So other than Southern, that's the only one I'm focused on. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm not going to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so <laughs> that's that's like the coach and answer. <laughs> but I, I, I'll give you the real deal. That. Nah, so I, don't, I guess coaches do it. It's just uh, you don't want the team to, to focus oh, right. past the first game. So the team, we're talking about Southern 100%. But I, mean, I think uh, if you look at the schedule, I mean, going to FAMU, I mean, we know that's going to be a huge game. That's going to be a great rivalry going year to year. Uh, they beat us last year. We had a chance to get a, have a game-winning field goal. They blocked it and scored. So I think uh, you know, us going down there is going to be huge. Uh, Alcorn is the, one of the former East matchups. We haven't played them in a couple years. Oh, wow. So them coming here is going to be a big game. That's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, the classic, uh, you know, Bethune-Cookman coming here on homecoming, so Ooh. that's always going to be, you know, a lot of fun. The Magic City Classic is just, you know. It is the Magic City it Classic. Is, it is, it is. We're, it is, we're planning know. to be there this year. I, I've not experienced the Magic City Classic before. Uh, get there on Wednesday, man. It, 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 start, <laughs> okay. it starts on Wednesday, and, and don't plan on leaving until Sunday afternoon. Okay. It, it's, it's, it's quite a spectacle. We got a couple new coaches on our staff, and they're like, oh, man, I've coached the you know, Bayou Classic. I, I coached down there, and then. I coached at Prairie View. I was up there in the State Fair class. I've coached. I say, man, the Mass City ain't no class like the Mass City class. So we, we're trying to tell him, and he'll figure it out once we pull up to the stadium. But and I think going towards the end, I mean, even with that Grambling game, going down there to, to Mobile in the Port City Classic, that's going to be huge. Alabama State hasn't played in Mobile in quite some time. We have a really big fan base down there, and so does Grambling. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And I think that Turkey Day Classic, you know, um, it's, it's just a great matchup. I, mean, I love playing on Turkey Day on Thanksgiving Day. Okay. But I think just having the parade with Tuskegee, just the atmosphere and the camaraderie, I think just the whole thing from the fan standpoint, that's just a traditional game when we play Tuskegee on Turkey Day. All right. Now, for those who may have been living under a rock and don't really know much about Coach, Coach, let's talk a little bit about yourself and, and, and where you come from, your background, and uh, let folks know, you know, he is he is an ASU alum. Played football here, so Coach, take it away. Tell us a little bit about your career. Yeah, I mean, came up here as a walk-on out of New Orleans and uh, played here for my four years under Houston Markham. And we won the national championship back in 1991 when uh, undefeated had one tie. Uh, got drafted in the second round, was fortunate enough to play in NFL with Houston Oilers, the Titans, the Jaguars. Played in Super Bowl 34 with Steve McNair and those guys. And and uh, after that, got into broadcasting. So I was yeah. doing a lot of ESPN games for about eight, nine, ten years. And then found my way back into into the coaching aspect of it. Uh, once my kids got a little older, I have my oldest son that's playing on the team here with me now. Okay. So that's that's a lot of fun coaching him last year and now this year and and watching him just mature as a player. But it's uh it's it's just been a really fun ride. I mean Alabama State has uh, meant so much to me. So now it's just I'm, I feel honored and, and grateful and know I got to get to work being poised with the task of bringing a championship to Alabama State. So I think that's the. That's the message that I know Dr. Cable has. That's the message that all of my coaches here have at Alabama State. Uh, different sports, and you know, we all want to win championships. So that's what we're going for every year. And, yes, Dr. Cable just sat in that same seat yep. saying it's about winning national championships. Folks, what that does say to you is that you can get to anywhere from an HBCU. So you make sure you come in. We're going to take us a just quick switch-out break, but our young lady Kayla's going to come in. She's got some questions for Coach. 
to see what this new generation – I don't even know what the new generation is called. I mean, because we've already gone to Z. Is Are they, they Gen Z or so? Yeah. But well, we don't know. I think it's still Gen Z. That's how I refer to them. But, I mean, they – I think right now they're smart enough and they're skilled enough that whatever they want to be called, they'll let us know. So we just have to follow their lead. <laughs> Coach, well, thank you. I'll be talking to you a little bit later on. We'll definitely be getting with you throughout the season. Hopefully we'll get a chance to be streaming that uh, coaches show of yours on the network to get it out to a larger audience. We're going to take a quick break, let Kaylin get set up, and we'll be back right after this on the Black College Sports Network. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Hornet Stadium here on the campus of Alabama State University. I am Roy Evans. I am joined by head coach Penny Lucas-White, the head volleyball coach here at Alabama State. We're live, folks. It is BuzzFest 23, where we're getting ready to kick off all of the fall sports for Hornet Nation, having fun, doing what we do. We're ready, man. We're one week away from football season starting for the collegiate Volleyball is what? One, one week, week away, away too. <laughs> We're one week away too. So listen, let's let's just jump right into it with our first interview. As I said, this is head coach Penny Lucas White, the head volleyball coach here. I absolutely had the pleasure of meeting Coach White about a year ago because we got some stuff that we're going to be bringing to the volleyball landscape. Y'all need to get ready for. That's all I'm going to say for right now. But we're going to be doing that and uh, and getting some things going. So, Coach, how you feeling today? I am fabulous. You're fabulous. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about coming into the season. Okay. What are we looking for? Well, we had a great uh, scrimmage on yesterday. We have a lot of great pieces. We only lost two uh, starters last year, but the two that came in, filling in those slots, we have a lot of newbies, whether they're uh, graduate students or transfers. The transfer portal has been really good to us, and we're excited. We're so excited for another exciting season. Okay, well, coach, you know, let the top, let, let, let's let's not let's not leave the folks just out here wondering who Coach Penny Lucas White might be because see, she she has a great story. She's been around and has done some amazing things. Coach, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I first started my coaching career at uh, Auburn University, where then I later on went to the University of Memphis, won my first two championships. Uh, then spent 15, seasons, 15 years, 14 years at the Air Force Academy. I'm going into my 13th year here, but my 12th season. And out of the 12, we've won seven championships here. So uh, I enjoy uh, what I do. It's not a day of work at all. It's just another day of fun on the court. Okay. Now, y'all did hear that, right? Seven out of 12 years, she's won the championship. 
So that 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 is a much uh, that that that's a percentage I think a lot of coaches would like to have. Yeah. Coach, talk to me about some of your individual players. I know we're going to have oh. a few of them that we're going to be interviewing, but you who, will. who are we, we going to be talking to? You're going to be talking to Temperance Chapman, and we call a T-chat. Well, get ready. When you talk about she should probably be playing at a Power 5, we are so happy to have her. She has a beautiful story. T-chat always wanted to play at an HBCU, in fact, Alabama State. This kid was a walk-on, beat out everybody last year as our starting libero. So the, wow. the fun part, when you see coaches awarding kids with a full ride, she deserves every bit of it. We were so excited to give her a full ride. Uh, this We gave it to her in the spring, giving it to her going into this season. But she's going to be our backbone. She quick. She reads. She's mature. She's, uh, she's our glue. Then you'll hear from one of our setters, who's a graduate student, uh, Madison Beasley, out of Arizona. And so she's come into the program. She won the championship her freshman year. So she kind of, we won regular season last year, came up a little short in the championship. So she has a vendetta. She has to, you know, she got some unfinished business. Right, right. So we're excited to have her back. And then we have the one and only quickest hitter, I think, on the pin, Jada Rose out of uh, Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. And she's a rising senior. When I tell you she can hit, as fast of a set as you can get on the outside. She's a fun student athlete to watch. But we have so many other seniors that's still coming on the court. But those are the three that we just picked to sprinkle your, your show with today. Okay. It's going to be an exciting year. Listen, we're definitely looking forward to it. I was, I was told that you guys are going to be streaming a lot of the stuff on the Hornet Network. Yes. So we definitely will be watching you all. Just to let folks know, this season will be the first year that the Black College Sports Network will actually – crown and call for national champions in both d1 and d2 volleyball so we, we picked up our other sports but this is our year to kick off our volleyball stuff so like i said stay tuned we've got a lot more coming coach talk to before we get ready to get to take a quick break to get to your players tell folks how they can support you guys as a team and as an organization you can one support us by giving you know everybody always need you know whether it's a dime or a dollar Everybody always needed. You can go to Bama State Sports or go to the ASU uh, Foundation, Athletic Foundation, and make sure you earmark it to volleyball. But more than anything, if you find time on your schedule where we're playing at home, we want some butts in the seats. It's nothing like being in Lockhart Gymnasium on the night that we play. We pack it out. It's a lot of fun, and it's just exciting to watch my team play. All right, folks, there you go. Biggest thing they want you to do, come out, be a part of the experience that is the ASU Volleyball. We're going to take us a quick commercial break, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk to some of these players that Coach was telling us about. You're watching the BCSN Game Time Show live from Montgomery, Alabama, on the campus of Alabama State University. But you know, you stay on hard. 